I've been following Jason Gaynard online for a few years now and sending tons of people to listen to his amazing podcast called Community Made because he is one of the most gifted people I have seen online in terms of knowing how to connect with people and kind of reach the unreachable people. So the fact that I got to actually meet with Jason in person and do this interview with him was truly a gift for me. And I'm so excited to share this with you. I know you're going to love it. And I've been wanting to meet Jason for a couple of years now. So I just, I'm so excited about it. The content was phenomenal. It is a double long episode, meaning that it is about twice as long as my normal podcasts are. But trust me, it's going to be worth it. And I know that you're going to get a ton of value out of it. So with that, let's dive right in. I'm Jamie M. Swanson, and this is My Personal Brand Journey, the podcast for successful entrepreneurs and influencers who want to scale their business by growing their own personal brand. So let's dive right in. All right, today I am so excited to be here, and I have something really special for you. Today, I have our second guest to the Personal Brand Journey podcast. I'm here with Jason Gaynard. And before I dive into our conversation, um, I just want to take a moment and thank you, because this would never have happened if it wasn't for you helping me out and also just being amazing. And let me explain why. So this morning... um, I was driving in and I was thinking about this podcast that I'm doing with Jason and the fact that I get to meet with him. And he he knows like everybody. I feel like you're one of those unreachable people because I know everyone wants to get on your radar. That's the rumor. That's the rumor. <laughs> That's the rumor. But I was just, I was struck by this sense of gratitude towards you. Yes, you listening right now, because this happened um, because... You, I've been talking about Jason on the podcast. I've been talking about him in the personal brand photography movement that we're creating. And so many of you have started listening to his podcast called Community Made. It's amazing. You'll hear about it. And um, have joined his group that he reached, has had his team reach out to me and say, hey, you're sending all these people. Can I do something back for you? You know, is there, there a masterclass or a podcast episode or something? And so this is really because of you. And I just, I have this immense sense of gratitude and just want to thank you. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever felt anxiety where it feels like a weight on your chest. But as I was driving into Toronto today, I just, I felt like the opposite. It was that same spot, that same weight, but instead of being a heavy weight, it was just this like immense joy and gratitude. So I just wanted to start with a thank you to you. Thank you for being awesome. Thank you for engaging in the group and thank you for helping me make this happen. I'm extremely honored that I get this privilege and I know it wouldn't have been just because of me. So um, with that, I want to tell you, for those of you who haven't been listening very long or heard much about Jason yet, um, there's three things that I just really admire about him. So I'm going to talk about you, Jason. He's sitting here. You get to sit and listen to this one. He's not smiling at all. (laughs) Uh, That I just wanted to start off with uh, because he is... um, really gifted at connecting with people. And of course, that fits perfectly with talking about personal branding. But there's three things that I have just seen that he does so, so well, and that I really admire about him. Number one, his generous spirit. And that's part of why I talk about his podcast all the time is because he's so generous with the information he shares. And with the tips, I mean, I've taken... I've taken so many of the big courses out there and paid thousands of dollars for education. And this could easily be a multi-thousand dollar course. Jason, I, I, every season, I'm just like, (laughs) holy crap. I re-listen to them. I go back. I've got like 
pages of notes here on stuff. Uh, and it's just, he's just one of the most generous people online that I've found. And so his podcast is just solid and meaty. Uh, number two, I'm so impressed by how intentional he is with all of the strategies and all the ways he really connects with the people he wants to connect with. Now, um, You'll have to listen to his podcast to hear more about that. And maybe he'll share some strategies here. Hint, hint, Jason. Sure. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just, I see the intentionality be- behind how he connects with people. And it's just been really inspiring to watch and like learn. And in part, I'm going to be straight up honest with you, Jason. It's a little bit intimidating because I'm like, what research has he done? And like, <laughs> <laughs> I know he goes into researching the people he connects with, but it's, uh, it's just definitely something to admire. And I think it's something we can all learn from. But then third, he really knows people. And I don't just mean like knowing big names because he knows plenty of them. But I mean, he understands like the relational leverage points with people. Like he can see those points of impact in a person's life and and really connect with them on a way that most people don't pick up on. So he's not just randomly sending gifts that don't have any meaning. He's putting thought and meaning behind things. And he just has this intuitive sense of what really connects with a person. And um, I just I just think it's great. So uh, I'm, I'm telling him all about you. All that is a beautiful stuff, intro. My, my job here is done. Yeah, your job here is done. <laughs> but that's part of why I'm so excited to have you today. Let's dive in because I've talked enough. I want to get you talking. Sure. Um, so I would love to hear, first and foremost, why have you invested so heavily in relationships and what kind of got you moving towards that direction? Yeah. So I'll give you the, the quick version of it. Um, basically, I dropped out of high school. I started a service-based business and realized that service-based businesses can be a little tricky to scale and it was beyond my skill set. So I, I pivoted into an online product business, which I grew to $7 million a year over four years with no outside investments. Um, and ultimately, after doing that for uh, six years, I realized I built a business I hated to enable me to buy things I didn't need to impress people I didn't like. Uh, and it was just a very miserable hamster wheel to mm-hmm. be on. So mm-hmm. it became clear I was going to kind of scale that business down. Um, I could have sold it, but when I realized my heart wasn't in it, I couldn't, you know, position it for sale and stay in it for like another year or two to transition out. And ultimately, when I was scaling it down to zero, the goal was to have a little bit of money left in the bank and I could pursue something else. Well, unfortunately, two things happened that were beyond my control. They landed me a quarter million dollars in debt in August of 2012. And there's a saying when one door closes, another one opens, but it sucks to be stuck in the hallway. That was a very dark hallway for me at the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. I was bankrupt on every level, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Um, Yeah, it was a really, really tough time. And I didn't know what I was going to do next as far as a a business was concerned. But at the time, I felt very isolated as an entrepreneur. Um, And not because I I built my last business at the expense of relationships, but I didn't focus on them. Um, And, you know, case in point, when I, when everything crashed in August of 2012, September 1st, I got married. Just prior to that, I had a bachelor party uh, and I had two people show up, my brother and my Mm brother-in-law. I knew nobody back then. And uh, I started doing these dinners. Oddly enough, the first ever mastermind dinner I held exactly where we're, we're not in this room, but at, <laughs> at this facility. I, I uh, heard that when I was realistic. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I get to visit. How cool. Yeah. So uh, this is momentous. Um, 
So I decided to hold a dinner um, for just other entrepreneurs. And, and the dinner wasn't about me. Uh, it was about bringing together these entrepreneurs. They were actually, because I knew nobody, I went through this, um, it was something called Profit Magazine, similar to like the Inc. 5000 mm-hmm. list. Uh, and I found a bunch of entrepreneurs on the list. And I said, hey, I'm doing a dinner for other alumni of this magazine. Uh, if you're interested in coming out, here's the date and time and all that kind of stuff. Ultimately, I probably got like a 4% response rate. Um, <laughs> but uh, did the first dinner. I almost canceled two hours prior because I'm like, nobody's going to see value in this. They're going to think I completely wasted their time. But thankfully, I didn't cancel it because I felt uh, you know indebted to them because they were already coming to the dinner. I couldn't cancel that, that last minute. And uh, it turned out to be just a beautiful experience where conversation didn't skip a beat for four and a half hours. And I just got clarity that being in the proximity of fascinating people was something I wanted to do to some capacity and not necessarily as a business because I wasn't, I was paying for these dinners out of pocket. I wasn't monetizing them, um, which people you know, think it's crazy. And in hindsight, it kind of was. Um, but I would rationalize it by saying, you know, the bank could take my car, they could take whatever measly assets I left, but they couldn't take my relationships. I was definitely on track to uh, declare bankruptcy or something close to that. Like I was pretty close to rock bottom at the time. So whatever credit I had left or access to capital I had left, um, I really used it in when it came to investing myself in investing relationships, because to me, those, those were really the two safest investments I could make. Um, and uh Continued on with the dinners, had an opportunity to do an event with Tim Ferriss that fell in my lap. We can dive into that if need be, but uh, ultimately saw as a, a, a chance to do this event as an opportunity for what I do the, on the dinners, but on a larger scale. So instead of having eight people out at a dinner, I could have 100. And to me, I just wanted to kind of break even uh, and focus on this project for the next six months, and then I'll figure out what next business I want to do. Um, but I always say ignorance, confidence, and hard work can go a long way. I had no <laughs> clue what I was doing. And because of that, the actual planning or the execution of the event, the event was significantly closer to like a wedding than it was a conference. I mean, as far as like, you know, the curation of everybody, the assigned seating throughout the event, just the high touch nature and that kind of stuff. And um, actually, I will tell you how that Tim Ferriss thing happened because it helps kind of paint this picture and, and, sure. and really uh, tie your question together. So uh I've known Tim for a while, but he was coming out with a book called The 4-Hour Chef. And Tim, up up until that point in time, had The 4-Hour Workweek, which was a huge success, and then The 4-Hour Body. And they were both New York Times bestsellers. So obviously the expectation is that, you know, the next book's going to be a New York Times bestseller. Well, uh, he was the first big-name author to publish through Amazon. And the traditional publishing world wanted to make an example out of him. Of course. So three weeks before... (laughs) Uh, the book was supposed to launch, he found out that he was going to be banned from all retail distribution. So all Barnes and Nobles, 1,100 bookstores, oh Walmarts, goodness. Costco's, everybody. And obviously, uh, that put a wrench uh, in his <laughs> plans. And he is a very scrappy marketer. And what he did was he created these book bundles. Where if you buy five books, you get additional resources. If you buy maybe 50 books, he'd do a webinar with you or something. Well, he had this Hail Mary package that if you bought 4,000 books, he'd do two speaking engagements. And at the time, I was one of the first people to see this offer. I thought of a friend of mine who actually runs these huge events in Canada, and I said, I sent him an email. I said, this is a great opportunity for you because Tim doesn't speak that often, and he's never spoken in Canada. And the minute I clicked send on that email, I said, you know, this is a great opportunity for anyone. Um, and so I emailed Tim directly that morning, and I said, you know, I'll take the package. The problem was <laughs> is I had to come up with $84,000. Uh, was insane to me. <laughs> it was. Trust me. In hindsight, I, it's hard to believe, like, this was my life back then. That but, was not long after the whole downturn and almost No, that bankers, was in the midst like, of it. So, right. like, August is when, like, uh, we it was brutal. And then September, we got married, uh, and I didn't know how I was going to pay for the wedding. That's another story. <laughs> and then I 
started the dinners in October, oh and then the offer for Tim happened in November. Oh. So I'm really lucky that things happened so quickly because I don't know how long I could have been kind of spiraling downwards. Yeah, so anyone who says I don't have money to do something has no excuse at this. <laughs> well, it, it, well, for me, I mean, and, and full, uh, to to uh, I guess support that notion on some level, like I, the hardest thing for me, I never raised money before uh-huh. uh, in any of my past businesses. I built them all on credit cards, and I had a limiting belief ingrained from like my childhood to never ask anything from anyone. So that was actually the biggest thing of like trying to come up with this $84,000, um, which I had to come up with in three days. That was the, the that was what made it really problematic. Um, <laughs> I love it. So I ended up reaching out to three friends that morning and I uh, reached out to the first guy and said, he says, you know, business sounds interesting, even though it wasn't a business. I didn't know anything about the industry, but I'm like, I got these books and I'm going to do an event. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, come back to me with numbers. And I was like, I'm not a numbers thinker as an entrepreneur. Like I really go off kind of my gut feeling and then, you know, make things work as I go along. Um, but I'm like, I'll loop back with you. The second person I called said, um, sounds awesome. Let's do a business together. 50, 50. And I'm like, that's great. I have one more person to call. Uh, and the third person I called, I was probably halfway through the pitch, uh, and it wasn't much of a pitch. Like I said, I didn't have much much experience in that space. Um, but he said, just come to my office tomorrow morning and pick up the check. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, and I just hung up that phone. I did not give him any more reasons to say no. Uh, that next morning, I was supposed to pick up the check at like 9 in the morning. I was probably there at like 7.30. In case that like... <laughs> like if he me today, way early. <laughs> no, if, if he would have canceled, I would have been like, well, I'm already outside. Um, so I got that check. I deposited, and I, I bought the $84,000 of books. And then... Um, Ultimately, after the event, again, it was successful, again, again because of sometimes just ignorance. Um, <laughs> and uh, ultimately, I reached back out to that friend of mine because we never talked about terms or like, you know, when he wants to be repaid back by and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I, I, I had a conversation with him and I said, why did you loan me that money? Because on paper, it's like the worst investment you can make of all time. Like, you know, I'm a... I'm like, literally, I don't know how I'm going to make rent next month. I'm just coming off a failed business. Um, I'm just yeah depressed and suicidal and all this kind of stuff. And this is an industry that I have one hour of experience in when I make you the, <laughs> made you the pitch. Um, and he's like, uh, I wasn't investing in the business. I was investing in you. And at that point in time, two things became really clear. One is you never know the value of your relationships until you really need it. And two, when you hit rock bottom in life, and we all do on some level, uh, you'll really be left with your word and the the integrity of your word and your relationships. So never tarnish your word and always invest in your relationships. And that's been kind of like the through line. When would that have been? What is it? 2013 was the event. So it's been six years. Um, And that's why I've been so bullish on relationships ever since. was Was that the trigger point that really let you go all in with relationships? Or had you started investing in it? Because you said you already had a dinner. I had that dinner, yeah. So I had a couple dinners under my under my belt, and then leading up to the event. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't that much into investing in relationships per se. And a lot of people don't invest in relationships because they can't peg an ROI to it. Exactly. Um, it's much easier to peg like if you have ten thousand dollars. Much easier to peg, you know. Uh, an ROI to going to a workshop and using the money for that instead of investing in certain relationships. Um, But for me, I mean, I've seen that compound. We were just talking about it before we went online. I'm doing a dinner tonight, which will probably, you know, cost me eight, nine hundred bucks. But the ROI from that is like I could you could spend that in a blink of an eye on Facebook ads and get no results whatsoever. Um, But to me, the what stems from the relationships, whether it's they, you know, you, you you provide services to each other or, you know, 
business has happened from it, just all the goodwill. It's um, it's incredible. It, to me, it's by far one of the best investments I can make. So because I've been making those investments for so long and seeing them pay off, to me, it's it's a it's a no-brainer. But oftentimes, again, people don't invest in those relationships because they have a hard time putting an ROI to it. But uh, Steve Jobs has a, a saying, which I love, um, which is you can't connect the dots looking forwards. You can just, you know, uh, you can connect them looking backwards, but you just need to trust ultimately that they'll connect. And um, yeah, they've connected for me. So that's why I've been doubling down. That's fantastic. So yeah. Why have you chose to connect with in-person events as opposed to doing something more online? Oh, God. I mean, there's... That wasn't even in my questions, Jason. You're I'm good. You're like, going off script. I am. <laughs> off script. Um, I mean, to me, there's nothing that beats in person. I mean, it, it's... Uh, there, yeah, there, there's so much there, even when it comes to, like, the... the I think it's like 7% of communication is the actual words that you use, and the rest is, like, body language, tonality, and all that kind of stuff. Um you know, we are so primal. Like we've had these, you know, these screens in front of us for the last 20 years. Oh, yeah. uh, but we have hundreds of thousands of years of just being these primal beings where um, just nothing beats that, 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 that kind of in-person uh, face-to-face interaction. And we're moving further and further away from that. We're also seeing the repercussions of that in society. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's a great book called Tribe by Sebastian Younger, which really delves into, again, what we're seeing in society when it comes to uh, just social isolation and how it's showing up and, and, you know, the societal fabric and that kind of stuff. So it's it's very easy um, to sit in front of a computer and, and, and feel like you're connected to people uh, or have the illusion that you have 5,000 Facebook friends when really, you know, you feel alone. Um, so to me, that in-person is, is critical and it's, it's something I opt for whenever whenever possible. So you have built this huge event, and that's what basically pivoted you into this, right, is this Mm -hmm. Mastermind Talks, and that's the main thing you focus on every year. Yeah. Um, So how have you seen that um, grow as you've done these dinners? And, like, I I want – I don't know if my whole audience has heard, like, the story of where that's gone. So could you talk a little bit about what that event became and having Tim Ferriss there and where it's taken you to show them just a kind of glimpse of what's possible? Yeah. So, I mean, for us – so for – context we're going into our seventh event which is in cabo uh we've had just over eighteen thousand entrepreneurs apply for a community that's capped at 150 people annually um and i think it's important to note that's not done with any paid marketing we've never done facebook ads adwords none of that kind of stuff and it's not like a hundred dollar event no it goes up <laughs> in price every year so when you have success in this industry and this actually is a potentially a good takeaway for for some of your audience when it comes to like pricing their services and scaling the common strategy to scale is you know more photographers or more offices or studios or whatever the case may be. And in my industry, common strategy scale is more events or bigger events. And for me, what I, 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 I love, like I, I love serving people I care about and I love having a deep relationship with them. Um, and like I, for me, one of the reasons why we did our first event at 150 people is I didn't want to just walk in I didn't, and I meet somebody for the first time. Like I wanted to know not only their name, but the name of their their spouse, their kids, what keeps them up at night, the services that they offer, who's our, t- our target audience. If we were to meet a year from today with a bottle of champagne, what are they celebrating? So what are their goals? Um, and that, that's, that's just what I want to cultivate in my life um, as an individual. So instead of scaling in size every year, like what everybody else is doing, we scale by raising the price and raising the caliber of people in attendance. So just because you were allowed last year doesn't mean you're allowed back. Um, so we've improved like the quality of our community every year and raised the price. So our first event uh, for context was, and I don't share this often because I reached out to friends of mine who were in the event space and I'm like, how much could I get for this event? 
because I have like Tim Ferriss and a few other speakers at the time. I didn't have a full roster. Um, but the general feedback is like, you can't get more than a thousand bucks. So I was like, all right, perfect. So I'll charge nine ninety five because that's the internet marketer right. thing. Got to be nine ninety or nine ninety seven. I can't charge a thousand because then that's that's going to be a no go. Right. So um, I charged nine ninety five, and then we were getting all this these applications and this demand. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do the only A B test I've ever done in my life, uh, or split test. Uh, I'm going to send a hundred people to a higher price point and see what happens. Because um, I'm like, most likely nobody will buy, and it'll just whatever it'll be what it is uh well we had just as many people buy at the $3,300 price point as we did at the thousand dollar price point but they were actually better quality people which is all that i cared about um because for us the curation was was huge i was just came from a business where i didn't like the people that i served like we were an e-commerce uh business so you didn't have control over who you serve so i started sub sabotage money making opportunities so I wouldn't have to deal with people. People would have their credit card in hand ready to place an order over the phone. I'm like, I don't want to answer the phone. Right. So yeah. I didn't want that for my next business. I actually really wanted to uh serve people that I cared immensely about. Um and the byproduct of that is that they they've like ninety five percent of our social time as a family um is with other people in MMT and their families. Um like we did did a Disney vacation two months ago when we had twenty three families over seventy people total. We're doing a couples retreat at the end of the week. It's just us six couples just spending time together in Colorado. So um that's kind of what it's uh it's become ultimately. Um but yeah, when it comes to, to scale there's there's different ways of doing it, but we've just raised the price every year. So our, our next event is thirteen thousand dollars. Um and it's sold out fifteen months out. Yeah. You didn't even open it up for applications, did you? No, so we didn't. <laughs> so it sold out before that. And then our 2020 event will probably sell out when we announce it. That's Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so it's been going well. It's been a good life. Yeah, it's been a good life. Well, and I loved hearing the backstory of that in your podcast. And um, so if anybody wants to, if you're listening and you're like, holy cow, how did you do this? Like he shares... Like, remember, talked about the generosity here. Like, go check out Community Made. You will hear so much more about the details. It's a way and... tighter version of my story than what I shared. Here. But this is great, too. And it's, you know, I appreciate it immensely. So my question for you, then, is if you're going to, you can only invest in so many people. Like, if you want to know their names and their kids and all this stuff, like, and I know because you've shared it so openly on your, I feel like I know you probably better than yeah. you can ever know me. It's like almost unfair in that way. But I know that you really, truly invest in the people that you get to know and get to, and you get to know them really deep. And we only have so much bandwidth. So how do you select the people that you choose to invest in? Like, how do you, especially now when you know all these amazing people, like, how do you what do you focus on or do you just go deep with the people you already know? I'm at a point. So there's a, uh, there's a saying by Warren Buffett that sometimes people will point to in business um, that the difference between successful people and very successful people is that very successful people say no to almost everything, which is true. The flip side of that is you have to say yes to everything before you can say no to anything. You get to get to that point where you can actually start saying no. And I see the same thing with relationships. People are like, well, how do I start you know, investing in relationships? Or, yeah, where do I begin? And there's a handful of different ways, joining different communities, online, offline, meetup.com, that kind of stuff. But ultimately, you have to kind of put in that work. Um and go to that one event and just try to leave with one or two solid relationships and then nurture them. Um, and then, you know, join this online community and, and do the exact same thing. Uh, and then over time, you'll get to a point where you really 
will have to start, you'll have to switch and you'll have to start focusing on, on which relationships you want to nurture. Cause to what you said, I mean, we only have, we have limited bandwidth and there's an opportunity cost uh, mm-hmm. when it comes Absolutely. to this kind of stuff, right? Like if, if I'm not, if I'm investing in a certain relationship or somebody reaches out to me cold and I always, I mean, I, I try my best to like help people, support people, mentor people, but I also have to keep it in the back of my head and, and remain cognizant of the fact that like, if I'm saying yes to lunch with this person, I'm saying no to somebody else, you know, that I may be able to move the ball further along for them, or it may be a more meaningful relationship for me. Um, so that's kind of the point. Uh, I almost have this love hate relationship with relationships on some <laughs> level right now in the sense that, um, I just and innately I love people and I love yeah. I'm I'm just super curious about people um, and you are definitely like you're an interesting lady so I'm like I wish I <laughs> I won't spend more time with you too um, well thank you but so but then there's that again that balance because then yes. I look at it, and what I've actually started to do um, because again getting back to this whole online thing it's so easy to forget about people because like I you know I'll have a friend um, you know reach out to me and I was like where have you been for the last four months you have you've fallen off my Facebook newsfeed and ultimately you've you know, fallen off my radar completely. So what I've done with some key people is actually I've, I've printed out like their Facebook head headshot and I printed it out and I put it on a wall oh. so I can see visually like, yeah, you're reminded can, of your community. Yeah, exactly. And the people that I serve, like, especially if you're in the online space, I think it's really important. I actually somewhat got that from Airbnb, which I think was fantastic because I went, I did a behind the scenes tour with Joe Gebbia, one of the founders. And one of the things that they got actually from Nike is when they walk into the Nike headquarters in Beaverton, Oregon, or what have you, they have these huge murals of their athletes, like oh. LeBron, LeBron James yes. and Serena Williams and that kind of stuff. And what they did at Airbnb, they took that same thing. They have these huge murals of the host, of the Airbnb host, some of their kind of key hosts and that kind of stuff. So I've done that on some small scale of like the people that we serve is trying to, you know, uh, just keep them kind of top of mind uh, by doing that kind of stuff. But it's, it, it's yeah, there's this fallacy that you can have, again, 5,000 friends. Um, but I always say it doesn't matter how many friends you can count. It matters how many friends you can count on. And I know statistically it says like, for every 100 Facebook friends, there's usually two that you can count on or you feel like you can count on. Uh, and there's always a study I point to by um, Keith Ferrazzi. Uh, he wrote a book called, "Who's uh, sorry, Never Eat Alone. And then he wrote another book called Who's Got Your Back, which is not as popular, but still a good book. <laughs> um, and in that book, he interviewed a thousand people at random and he asked them one question and one question only, who has your back? Surprisingly, 55% of people felt like nobody had their back even more surprisingly, 60% of those people were married. So um, all that to say, too many people go kind of wide with their relationship building. And when they need something, whether it be to, they need a couch to sleep on or whatever the case may be, or money or just support. Or, $4,000 or be- to buy 4000 Sure. <laughs> or just belief. Um, yes. They they realize that they're 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 very kind of alone and isolated, and I I'm, I'm terrified of that on some level. So I I'm at a point where again to me the key to a strong network is subtraction and not addition. Um, but you have to get to that point by by uh, again saying yes to everything before you can start saying no to anything. Yeah. So you've shared pretty openly on your podcast that you have a lot of insecurities meeting new people or like you've come into events and then walked out. And yeah. Had to like so, still. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't walk out today. No, we are very welcoming. (laughs) Well, thank you. But um, so my question is, could you speak to the person listening who might say, gosh, there's no way, like I'm super intimidated. So for example, 
um, I do work with a lot of photographers and they're like, you know, my business is nothing compared to, you know, some of these seven, eight figure entrepreneurs or influencers that I love to work with. And they, they deal with the insecurities or of not being good enough or this, you know, sup- what is it? Superiority? No, no, no. That's not it. inferiority complex. Sure, I sure, mix sure. my words up all the time. <laughs> Jamieisms. Um, so, can you speak to somebody who might be in that place where they just don't feel like they can measure up, or that they aren't? You know, we just we have these insecurities we don't voice, but I know they're there. Sure. Yeah. So there's a couple things. Uh, one is understanding and appreciating where you land on the spectrum, whether it be like introvert, extrovert, whatever the case may be. Most of the people that um, our good friends of mine uh, would tend to lean on the side of introversion, uh, which is a surprise to many because many of them are like public speakers and that kind of stuff, but they're incredibly introverted. Brene Brown is like, you know, she says that she's a big introvert, which is, again, hard to believe because she's all over the place. Um, so understanding what your style is 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 uh, definitely a, a worthwhile approach. And for, for me, because I'm, you know, struggle with being an introvert, um, you know, the misconception is I do all these dinners, I'm Mr. Social. The dinners are not about me. I bring together people and I just like sit in the corner and listen to conversation. <laughs> and then and then at the end, they feel like they have a better connection with me because there's actually a study that shows um, that in conversation, and then this is where a, a lot of introverts kind of miss the mark, so to speak. If they're in conversation, with somebody and they're not doing a lot of the talking, they feel like they're not doing a good job at fostering relationship. However, there's actual studies that show that if you spend the majority of your time listening, that person will leave the conversation um, feeling a, more of a connection with you because they feel seen and heard ultimately. And ulti- like everything I do, whether it be you know any of the strategies when it comes to investing relationships, gifting or gratitude, all that kind of stuff just leads to people feeling heard, understood, appreciated. We all have a deep desire for that. It's primal in us. Um, so understanding that, again, even in a conversation setting as an introvert, it's okay to be just the listener uh, and being an intent listener, which introverts tend to be. Um, but for me, uh, what I'll, I'll do is like, you know, if I go to an event, I'll, I'll really be there to observe certain individuals who I'd want to potentially connect with later and then reach out to them over email and say like, hey, we crossed paths at this event but didn't have an opportunity to connect. It would be great to like connect, you know, over coffee or, you know, did a quick research on you and I think what you're doing here is fascinating, whatever the case may be, and invest in the relationship that way. Um, because, you know, the there's a saying that what works in the military works in marketing and that's the unexpected. Um, and I kind of look at the same thing when it comes to networking in the sense that like it's it's hard to stand above the crowd in a now and in a noisy like Absolutely. conference room or what have you. But it's easy to uh, reach out afterwards and just be one of the few people that actually follows up and sends an email. Right. So that's one thing. Understanding your style and understanding that there's strengths to your style and just playing within it at the same time. Um, it's also good to step outside your comfort zone and understand that uh, sometimes you'll have to do that if you want to make the most out of a, uh, out of an opportunity. And a great way to do that is Todd Herman's alter ego. I'm reading that right it's now. It's amazing. Yes. Uh, so um, if you see chapter two, he talks about mastermind talks in chapter two. I so, saw that. Yeah. I was like, oh, there's Jason again. Why am I not surprised? I know. Well, he talks- well, you did a podcast episode with him too, though. So. Yeah, Todd's a good friend. Um, so his book is phenomenal. And basically the idea behind it, which I think is brilliant, um, is that he's been a high performance um, athlete coach for quite some time. So teaching like coaching Olympians and NHL hockey players and that kind of stuff. And what he came to notice, and it really kind of hit him, uh, he met a, a gentleman named Bo Jackson. I'm not a football guy, but I'm pretty sure that's his name. Uh, <laughs> and uh, 
he basically, Bo Jackson was speaking at this event, and uh, Todd ended up connecting with him. And uh, in conversation, Bo said, uh, Bo Jackson has never... Uh, touched a uh, like did a touchdown in his life or something like that something along those those lines uh but basically that the Bo Jackson that you meet in person is not the same Bo Jackson on the field uh and ultimately t- uh, Todd dug into it a little bit and uh Bo said like there's just something about it like when he walked on the field and he's his left heel hit the 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 turf um he would switch into like a, a, this alter ego of sorts um because off the field he was a super sweet man on the field he was a monster um and Todd started to see that in a lot of athletes is that they would be one way day to day but then there would be like this on switch when they'd have to perform uh so he saw it with athletes then he started to see with elite performers of all kinds even speakers and that kind of stuff again somebody like a Brene Brown being somebody who's an introvert standing in front of 10,000 people you know there has to be some kind of switch where she almost turns into this alter ego of sorts. So there's there's benefits in um you know embracing that alter ego. Uh and he, Tony Robbins has a like a thing where you actually name it. So you can actually name it as whatever, Sasha Fierce or whatever the case may be, and you know like there's some kind of cue that when you walk into that room, you know, you you stand up with your, you know, your shoulders back and a big smile or whatever the case may be. And it may seem fake, but there's um a friend of mine, AJ Jacobs, uh phenomenal phenomenal hilarious writer um he has a saying or maybe he just told me the saying um that you can think you you can act your way into a new way of thinking you can't think your way into a new way of acting fascinating so and again when i walk into a like i may be like oh i don't want to be here blah blah blah. but the minute i actually use the same cue my left foot hits like the carpet in a conference room i try my best to own the room and after two three minutes of pushing myself then i feel comfortable and then we're we're good to go so understanding your style and leveraging alter egos i think is critical that's amazing uh, we're getting near the end of our time already i'm can, so sorry well, well i can keep talking if you can but i don't know what i can for okay. a little bit yeah okay i just want to make sure i'm being really respectful of your time i no might worries. split this into a double episode or something um so that's Really, uh, part of the reason I'm reading Todd's book is because I've been really studying identity and how identity shapes decision making, in part because I have all my kids and I want them to figure, like, how do they make decisions? Sure. And, you know, what does it mean to be a Swanson? And, uh, but also in a business setting. And so there's so much truth to a lot of I, like, it, it's it's really fascinating. So I love that you bring up his book because it's definitely one I'm about two thirds of the way through and I've got like sticky notes <laughs> all over the place because it, it's definitely been top of mind for me. Um, so, and I lost my train of thought <laughs> by like asking you how you're doing on time because then of course I get into that. But um, so one of the things that I would love to hear from you, and this one is kind of my own question, but even when you reached out to me, if I'm going to be completely candid or your team did and just said, you know, Jason's open to doing something, part of me was afraid to even come up with something because I I think I have this insecurity and there's definitely stuff behind it that I won't go into now that makes me hesitant to want to ask somebody for something sure. that, um, you know, I see as a favor for me because I don't want to tarnish a relationship by feeling like I'm taking before I'm giving or, you know, that that asking for something might be perceived wrongly and damage a relationship because I'm very heavy on valuing people and I, relationship over everything else first. Sure, sure, sure. So could you speak to, um, because I know you've done this and not that you're like making relationships just to use them, but you know, there is an ROI to relationships or can be, but can you talk to, um, 
like how do you how do you like find that balance like when do you know it's okay to ask somebody for something when do you feel like it's like how do you navigate that whole yeah, realm. Well, I uh, I suck at it. Um, <laughs> I'm brutal. And well, what do you honestly, mean by that? Honestly, my 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 operating system for years was almost like give till it hurts. Yeah. So I would continue to give, and 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 then um, oh, who who has a saying? I think it's Michael Roderick has a saying called uh, giving debt, uh-huh. which to me would like really hit it home because again I would take pride in almost like giving till it hurts yeah. and make people feel almost uncomfortable um, and they would be like can I do anything for you I'm like no I'm good and I'll, there's some truth to that but I also have a hard time asking for help at the same time so uh, I'm much more comfortable giving me too so uh, <laughs> but a friend of mine Michael Roderick has a saying called giving giving debt that like sometimes you give so much that you actually fragment the relationship because they feel like it's, they're so it's so lopsided on some level and they'll start to almost on some level distance themselves from you. Uh, And I actually felt that rather recently, about a year ago from somebody who, again, super sweet, just nonstop giving. And eventually I was like, all right, enough. Like I I can't, I can't constantly feel like crap because you're giving so much. Because you feel the reciprocity to pay something back. Sure. Yeah. And it doesn't, yeah, exactly. And it doesn't have to be transactional. Like you do one thing, I do one thing and and that's the only way it's going to work. Right. But it's that Cialdini principle of like when somebody does something. There has to be a point, you know what I mean? That like, let me do something for you. Um, And so it's actually, it's problematic. It can fragment a, a relationship. So understanding where to draw that line um is a tough one and like to me it's like you you know it like i think most sane people would know when it's the right time on some level um the way i look at it almost uh, to some degree is like if, if you were to look at your relationship with a certain individual look at it like a bank account you never want that bank account to be an overdraft so i'm always making micro relation like investments right. in the relationship that's your generosity that comes out yeah uh, and it's not something where i'm like um, you know, I have eight eight dollars in the bank with this person, and like I'm minus three with this person. So I don't think of it from that level. But to me, one of my biggest fears is reaching out to somebody cold and needing an introduction or needing help with somebody um, when I could have invested in that relationship. You know what I mean? So th- to me, like getting back to somewhat the one of the first questions, I I believe in going like wide with my networking and deep with my nurturing. So I want to have micro investments in relationships with thousands upon thousands of people. Uh, But then there's a core group of 150, 250 that like I I go really, really deep with. Yeah. And you talk about that more. I think it's episode three of your second season. Maybe you probably you'd know better. I'm trying. (laughs) I could be wrong. I didn't put every detail in here, Jason. I've got my little blue book that I recorded. It's been a while since I recorded that. So I'm not sure. But yeah, 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 no pressure. But it has been a while. Some of us are waiting. I know. I know. Give me time. Give me time. Um, I, I'm giving you time. <laughs> I just met you today, and I'm already smack talking a little bit with you. It's oh, good. good. Um, so, so I know from um, what I teach with photographers, and it's not just photographers listening to this podcast. Sure, it's sure, entrepreneurs sure. and influencers too. But um, a lot of them really do want to connect with people because they believe they can help them, and they would be a great team member for them. And the personal brand photography niche is relatively new. It's not. It's something that. I'm, I've really taken ownership of and I'm trying to lead yeah. within my industry because yeah. it's needed and nobody, there's no term. Like if you're looking for a photographer and just put in photographer, you are going to wade through a sea of everything and it's hard to find someone who really gets what you need. Sure. And so, um, I really do focus on that. It's my strength. It's one of the things I do naturally, but I believe it's one of the best ways to move forward as well with, um, just presenting the need. But 
there's this tension and I, I know it's harder for me to explain it because it's something I do naturally and can kind of sense. I'm pretty intuitive, but not everybody knows, okay, how do I approach a relationship or get to know somebody? And I, I teach kind of some steps and I point them to your podcast. That's why you get all these listeners. Yeah. And, um, but like at what point, like, do you feel, do you feel uncomfortable? Like, do you ever reach out to people knowing like, Hey, this would be great for them. I can provide this for them. But then there's this like, well, I don't want to feel like I'm just selling to them. And like, I really think they're, this is yeah. not a very clear question. No, no, Jason. it is. Well, I, I guess it's like asking for the sale. Yeah, so to speak. like I mean, just speaking to like, because I, it's hard for me to say, hey, I would, you know, these are the people you want to work for. But it's also like they would be perfect for this. We would be a great pair, but they just don't know it yet. And if it's a good fit for them, I'd love to be able to ask for the sale and present that opportunity as an yeah. invitation. But like, how do you how do you like deal with that? Maybe you don't approach relationships ever that way, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm in a really particular uh, situation where the lines between uh, clients, and I hate using the term, but clients and uh, like friends are blurred, Uh very much so. Um, So that makes it even trickier to like, quote unquote, ask for the sale because you don't want to put any pressure on the relationship. Um, So really what I I try to do a really good job at uh, is just focus on such a good product that people are kind of beating down the door. Uh, I'm not a, a sales guy. For example, I'll give you a great example. I'm launching, I can't believe I'm sharing this. I'm launching a new organization, <laughs> a new company uh, in about two, three months. Okay. And I am running into this problem. Uh, like I don't want to reach out to somebody yes. and, and solicit and that kind of stuff. So what I've done, which is brilliant. Yeah. Cause I love it. it's actually, it's been Bring working it. so well, but basically um, I've reached out to a handful of people uh, who are really ultimately like a perfect fit for this new organization. Uh, and I said, hey, I'm doing – I'm coming out with this this new idea and I'm bringing together a bunch of people to kind of almost like poke holes at this model. Uh, I love your insight, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I've done – this is, tonight is my fourth dinner that I'm doing and I'll have about eight to ten people at these dinners. And basically I'll present the idea of like what the business is and all that kind of stuff and get their, their, their ideas around it and, um, you know – you get them to kind of share insight and guidance and, and that kind of stuff. So A, in that environment, they feel heard and they feel seen. It's a soft sell of what I'm building. Totally. Uh, and then ultimately at the end, uh, I'll send them a, a, almost like a exit survey and say, and say, you know, did anything else come up for you after, you know, the dinner, any other ideas, that kind of stuff? How many people would you know would be interested in, in these type of services? Not their names, but right. the number, yep. right? Is it two people? Is it 10 people? Is it 50 people? Um you on a scale of one to 10, like how interested are you, or would you be in, in the idea of something yeah. like this? Uh, and what do you think we should charge for something like this? Um, and I've done, yeah, this will be my fourth dinner. All three of my dinners, the average scale of how many of those people were interested to sign up are eight, between eight to 10. Uh, and they've rate, they came at me with price points that's higher than what I was going to charge. That's awesome. <laughs> so, but that like, that's one creative way of doing and it. And these are people you reached out to cold or is this These are, these knew? are warm. These okay. are warm people. Um, so cold, you have to probably, you know, take a little bit of a different approach, know that, yeah. but there's ways to be creative about it, oh, right? Yeah. Uh, instead of just like, it's asking the, for sale, the, the sale or being broke. Like there's, there is in-betweens and there's, there's, yeah, I mean. Well, and I, I teach building a relationship, getting to know them, getting, sure. starting conversations with them, getting on the radar, providing value, but it's just more. Well, one of the key things is I, I always share from a book called Contagious by Jonah Berger uh, is top of mind, tip of tongue. Right. So like especially if, if you know, what you're teaching, which I think is the right 
you know, methodologies to have like a long-term approach to relationships and investing in those relationships. If you use those vehicles to invest in relationships, whether it be, um, you know, gifting or gratitude or whatever the case may be, um, to kind of stay top of mind, that helps tremendously when it comes to them referring you to other people and then also them thinking of your own services. Because people often forget, like, there's great photographers in my network, um, but oftentimes I'll, f- you know, then I'll be like, oh, shoot, I'll forget. I'll need one. Last minute. And then I'll just post to Facebook. I'm like, hey, does any have, anybody have any great suggestions? Um, just because I haven't had any touch points with any great photographers. Um, so investing continuously, continuously having those touch points all the time is, is uh, goes a really long way. And it's funny. There's actually a photographer who's on my radar now that I'm thinking of working with. Actually, a very good chance I'm going to work with because I don't know how, but all of a sudden he's probably done like headshots for five or six of my friends uh-huh. and they posted the Facebook and I was like, those look great. He's based in Toronto <laughs> uh, and he sent me his rates and I'm like, I don't even care, even care what the rates are. If all my other friends were doing it, I'll pay whatever they paid. Yes. Um, and they may not have even paid. I don't even know. And that's totally fine. I just, I love, I love his work. So he got on my radar that way by doing great quality work. And the amount of people that have terrible, terrible headshots and like, oh, you know, it's huge. It, is brutal. So that yeah. like there's huge demand for this work. Uh, it's just our uh, getting it across and articulating it and getting them to see the value. Because it's funny because at our MMT events we have uh, great photographers at our events, and what we do is we tell people to take a headshot while they're there. And inevitably, the people that have the worst headshots online never take advantage of the opportunity. And I'm like, I want to shake them. I'm like, do you not see what everybody else is seeing <laughs> when they like you know look at your name on Google Images? So uh, yeah, it's a really important work. But all that to say, uh, sometimes you can get creative as far as how you 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 make the make the offer. And one way is potentially is, and I I will share this uh, and kind of steal it because um, <laughs> a friend of mine did this, and I used to do it in my first business. I know a lot of people did. So a friend of mine, Dan Martell, has had uh, four successful tech exits and that kind of stuff. He's a very successful entrepreneur. In his first business, he was really young and. Uh, older businesses and corporations wouldn't take him seriously because he was so young. So he hired uh, somebody he called the white hair. So it was just an (laughs) old man uh, that really was almost like the face of the business uh, and would do like all the sales stuff. And like I remember when I first started my my first business, I had a hard time asking for the sale and asking those hard questions, you know, uh, and that kind of stuff. So I created an alter ego email. There you go. uh, And said like, oh, let me patch in my assistant. Was it the white hair at JC Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then let me patch in this person, which ultimately was an email account run by me, but then I could almost switch into that alter ego and be like, oh, it might, this is how much, you know, Jason services cost. It's, you know, X amount of dollars or something like that. So it detached the emotion from me of actually doing it and it let me, allow me to step into an alter ego of sorts. I know a handful of people have used that strategy. Yeah. Does so. that feel inauthentic to you to do that? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, it's, uh, well, it's a good question. It's good to, to, to put it on point. I think <laughs> not I, to like, you know, say no, whatever, I think, but yeah, just to be I, mean, honest. I, I think I, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to necessarily mislead people and I, it's, <laughs> I don't know. I have a heart, like it's either that or going broke. <laughs> I don't know. For me back then, that was kind of, uh, yeah, something I did, something a handful of people I know have done as well. Um, yeah, I know a company that their whole customer service team is called Jen. So that that way when There you go. That's Jen way, is always that's the reply because they want to one protect the anonymity sure. of their Yeah. What did I even say that word right? They want to protect the the identities yeah. of the customer service yeah. because it 
for reasons I won't go into, but also then they can, they can, they all are responsible for being Jen. And this is, this is who Jen is. This is how Jen responds. This is kind of the persona you take on when Jen responds to you. Now I don't do that. So if you guys get, you know, emails from Angie, it's actually Angie, but but I do know companies that do that. So it's like an alternate ego for their customer service department, which I thought was really fascinating. Ultimately, if you have a hard time asking for the sale and you're about to go broke, leverage the alter ego. <laughs> Be willing to stretch uh, what you're willing to do on some, stretch your values a little bit in the sake of uh, feeding your family. So, <laughs> um, so I, I want to wrap up with just uh, kind of a fun final question because you teach networking. I teach networking to my people and I've had some I see them using it on me, which sounds funny to say, but, you know, and so I've, I've, it's been interesting to be like, oh man, I asked for this without, you know, meaning to, but I would love to hear what are some of the like stories, not the like, just, you know, instant pitches that are an immediate no, but like, what are some of the, the crazy stories of things you've had people do where you're just like, oh man, don't do this. Like it was, you, you, do you have any of those where it's just like, (laughs) I try to black them out. Uh, This yeah. is the meat, Jason. Well, this is the it part is. But the thing is, I'm not. I don't have like a huge memory bank, and I have to clean it out. Well, of, like, I, I get it. Silly because... things at times. All right. Well, I can flip the question if you prefer. Well, I mean, uh, I can tell you. Well, so it's funny. Like I, I actually reached. So a friend of mine, uh, and she's become a really good friend. Um, her name is Kelsey Ramsey. She was nominated, or actually, she won the Best Female Entrepreneur of the Year award like three years in a row. She's a great individual. Um, but uh, oddly enough, one of the ways sometimes I'll, one of the vehicles I used to invest in relationship is look back as far as when you first connected and be like, oh, it's a happy seventh anniversary and completely catch them off guard or something like that. Anyway, she she posted on, on Facebook, she's speaking at an event with Richard Branson. And I connected her with the, the event producer, all that kind of stuff. And uh, ultimately, I went to look back. I'm like, what does our first interaction look like? Because I'll be like, oh, like it's amazing to see where our relationship has, has stemmed from just this one email. And the title of the email was, would you like to connect? And I was like... <laughs> I can't believe that came. I like, I sent that thing because that is like the number one thing I preach against. Um, so I get that a lot. Like, would you like to connect or, you know, can I, yeah. Can I get some of your time or whatever? And I'm like, you might, yeah, I don't have a ton of it. Um, so yeah, a lot of that kind of stuff. I mean, I've definitely had people try to manipulate their way into like getting my time or leveraging certain people or leveraging names or like, Oh, I know this person, that person, that person. They don't know any of them. Um, so unfortunately, that stuff happens quite a bit. Um, but uh, but yeah, all, all I can think of is just like me asking, you know, would you like to connect? Is one of the worst opening emails, and it worked. <laughs> I, she's like, she's like, maybe we were just both naive at the time. I'm like, we'll, we'll chalk it up as that because it worked. But uh, but yeah, don't use that. Yeah. So uh, final question: Is there anyone on your radar that you're still hoping to connect with that? You would just like maybe somebody listening has a connection that could hook you up with or I know I'm putting you on the spot with these questions, but no, it's funny because uh, I'm always really hesitant. um, Totally get it to. So, for example, I have friends that go to Richard Branson's Island every year and they want to be friends with Richard and all that kind of stuff, uh, which is fine and dandy. And like part of me would, you know, I think it would be potentially cool, but um I also value. It's the status of it. Well, it's you understand how ego plays into yeah, that kind absolutely. of stuff, right? Um, and like for me, it's you know I could yes I could meet up with Seth Godin uh, or I'm trying to think of somebody else, but let's say Seth Godin. Let's say I didn't know Seth and I reached out to Seth and that was a big deal for me. Um, 
you know, he has, what, 18 books that I could read? You know, there's so many. You could be mentored by anybody. There's so much information on so many people. Um, I can't think of a specific individual that I was like, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's there's context for, like, mastermind talks. Like, like you know, Will Smith, I think, would be a fascinating so interview. So you'd let Will Smith into mastermind talks if he wanted to come, even I though I think I'd bend the rules. <laughs> but, like, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, like, I have friends who are friends with him, and he apparently, how he is on, you know, screen, how you think he is, is how he truly is as a human being. Um, so to me, I, I would, I just would want that for the community, like, for them to have access to, like, you know, in a and a setting. But from an ego perspective, yeah, I don't have much desire to connect with certain individuals. You don't seem like the type that's ego-driven. You seem more just... Oh, no, I mean, I, I definitely, I feel like I, we all have egos on some well, level, right, but, I, but... I, I, I think I have it in check. Like, I question a lot. Um, like, what's the, the real motivation of this? And uh, again, is it to take a selfie with somebody? Well, that's pretty shallow. And that's shallow for you, and it's shallow for them. Like, they yeah. don't like that well, either, right? Well, it's using their status more yeah. than anything. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen it happen. And I, well, I'll give you, I'll end on this story. Because I think it's a valuable one. Um, So I was speaking at an event three years ago uh, called Thrive, uh, put on by a friend of mine named Cole, which is a great event. And uh, they had um, Gary Vaynerchuk speaking. And uh, Gary was doing his talk. During his talk, two people ran on stage uh, to, to take a selfie with him. Oh, my gosh. And Gary's like a huge like social yeah. media guy, so it didn't bother him or anything like that. Um but later on that night, uh, there was a VIP dinner for like all the speakers and some of the VIPs and all that kind of stuff. And we were sitting there and I was sitting next to another speaker who's a friend of mine. And Gary walked into the room. She's like, oh, my God, I want to go say hi to him and take a picture. Um, and she was nudging me as like I was going to go too. and to what we talked about, I questioned, like, why would I want to go up there and take you know, a photo of Gary? Um, so ultimately, I told her, like, you, you, should go, you should go. So she went up there, took a photo and all that kind of stuff. And I just continued to eat dinner and enjoying the company I was I was in. Uh, and then probably five to ten minutes later, uh, he walked right around our table and was kind of loitering around a little bit. And uh, I didn't put him on a pedestal or anything like that. I just treated him like anybody else. Uh, and then he looked at me and he extended his hand. And he's like, hey, my name's Gary. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, I know exactly who you are. <laughs> but that's how you foster a relationship, right? right? Like right. you never, if you put somebody on a pedestal unconsciously, they'll always think of you lesser. Uh, and we all, there's something called social exchange theory where we always want to surround ourselves unconsciously with people who can help us achieve our goals or support us. It doesn't have to be, you know, financial goals. It can be emotional support, whatever case may be so uh you got to be seen as a peer to these individuals so to me to meet a big movie star or something like that you'd have to kind of find some common ground there uncommon commonality to connect over uh and that can be difficult so yeah no rush i i again and if i say yes to a movie star i'm saying no to you at this point and that's <laughs> no that's problematic. you can't have movie stars if you're gonna say yes to me exactly see <laughs> oh I, I don't want I, listen there's opportunity costs we talked about this <laughs> i don't think i'm on the list right now though jason all right so um Thank you so much, so much. This was really a joy. I'm like, I got to like none of my questions, just a couple. But yeah, um, so we'll do I, a round two. That sounds great. Um, so where can people learn? Like, where do you want them to go to learn more? The podcast, obviously, but tell me where they should go if they want to learn more from you, Jason. Yeah, I mean, the podcast is a great resource because, um, you know, I spent a lot of time and energy really being clear and concise around a lot of these concepts and that kind of stuff. So I may babble on a podcast interview, but on my podcast, I'm clear and concise. Uh, on, it's beautifully produced. Well, I appreciate it. So thank you, editor. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so uh, so that's a, a great resource. If you just want to see what's going on in my life, um, just Instagram, Facebook, I'm pretty accessible. Uh, okay, so the, for the podcast, Community Made. Community Made. And do you have a website for it? 
you do, right? Yeah, communitymade.com. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, Jason Gaynard on any of the social channels. And, uh, yeah, pretty That's accessible. awesome. A Thank friend of yours, Jamie, is a friend of mine. Oh. So feel free to reach out. Thank you, Jason. So, all right, with that, go check out his stuff. And, um, yeah, I'm so thankful you stuck with us for this double episode, which is not originally <laughs> going to be a double, but it's been awesome. And uh, check out Jason's stuff. And I will see you guys in the next episode. And, again, Thank you so much for helping make this possible. Have a wonderful day. Hey, real quick before you go, number one, if you thought this episode was helpful and you know somebody personally that would enjoy it, would you send them a link to it? That would be super awesome. But second, if you enjoyed it, I also have a private podcast just for my email subscribers that I think you would really love. Now, you can listen to it on the same podcast player, just like you are this current podcast. But it's only accessible through a unique link that I will send to you via email. Now, this is the behind the scenes look at what I'm doing in my business. It's literally my thoughts about my business casually as I'm thinking about it. So it's not after I've done a bunch of stuff and I've distilled it down to a couple of points and I'm sharing, you know, just the highlights with you. Like this is the stuff in the moment that's working, that's not Um, I have an episode in there that's all about the problems with my offer. I have things that I've been thinking about in terms of messaging and just all sorts of stuff that's going through my brain as I'm growing this business. And I'd love to share it with you. So if you would like to listen, all you need to do is go to gettheprivatepodcast.com, enter your name and your email and I will send it right over to you. You'll get an email with a link that is yours. You can't share it with other people. It won't work for them, but it will work for you. And I know that you are going to love it. You just got to click the link, follow the podcast on your favorite podcast player, and away you go. You'll be automatically updated when there's new episodes. So hope to see you on the private podcast. Again, that is getthepodcast.com. And have a great day. Thanks for listening.